0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode two of Middle Age Geeks, where we chat, discuss, and review anything geeky from movies, games, TV, comics, maybe tech, and everything in between. My name is Daz, and this is my co-host Phil. How are you doing, Philly?
1: Yeah, pretty good, man. It's been a good week. It's been—it uh, was exciting to get our first episode out there, and then to get such lovely feedback, constructive feedback, you know, which was great. To see people getting involved already, giving us some ideas for new stuff, but just yeah, just to get such a warm response that we got for putting it out there was great. Yeah, really, really, it's been it's been a nice, nice few days. Kind of just basking in that a little bit, you know.
0: Yeah, yeah. Once you get the first one out of the way, it's just like, ah, oh, thank Christ! Right now, episode two. So, speaking of episode two, what we have in the show today, we are gonna be covering a number of topics, including obviously what we've been playing and watching over the past week. And we'd also be reviewing a movie that we missed when it came out i think in august gran turismo um and the reason we're picking this is it ties very nicely into our retro corner game which is an absolute classic racing game from 2001 and if we had the podcast going back when this came out we wouldn't have let this slide because we have lots of thoughts on this movie i believe so uh so firstly, we'll check out what we've been watching and playing and maybe even reading this week. So Philly, what have you been up to? So
1: this week, yeah, I've been, well, I've been watching Gen V, which is excellent. I mean, I watched the first four episodes of that, which is the boys spin-off. If anybody doesn't know, it's, it's quality. I'm not going to do any spoilers, but uh, it, it's definitely worth getting into. If you enjoyed the, uh, the boys, the same insane level of violence and, you know, it's, it's quality um i also went for a double feature in the cinema i went to see you know i love my horror so i went to see saw 10 and uh the exorcist believer and i can't believe i'm saying this but saw 10 was the better movie I, I wow how the fuck that happened but yeah yeah i it's the director of um the director of exorcist is the same guy who directed the three recent halloween movies and where the first one was okay, the second two were fucking shite, and I think <laughs> he probably shouldn't really be making horror movies. Like he made Pineapple Express, which I loved. Yeah, Eastbound and Down. You know, he did some comedy stuff, and I think maybe I don't want to tell people to. I don't want to tell people to be sticking to whatever you know. But I think yeah, in this case, maybe stick to doom comedy because it was not a good movie. If you're want, if you loved the first Exorcist movie and would like to get into something to do with the exorcist i would recommend the 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 first season of the tv show which came out maybe five years ago and the first season is really really good if you're craving a bit of that but i would without giving a review i would avoid the movie um (laughs) apart from that i've kind of been i've been reading i've been catching up on some comics like i'm i'm the kind of person when i read comics is that i don't need to read them as soon as they come out you know like video games i want it as soon as it comes out tv shows i generally get straight into them same at movies but with comics i don't mind no one's going to spoil them on me so i don't really mind going into them a while after and that's where i find marvel unlimited really good because it's hundreds of thousands of comics on there and they don't they don't get up on there the day that they're you know released so if i come to them a few months down the line or a year down the line or years down the line they're up there so uh i had been meaning to read gwenpool and so I can now read her from start to finish. So I've been reading her. Absolutely love the character. It's it's fuck. It's really funny, really meta. You know, a lot of fourth wall breaking, and she's just, she yeah. There's some laugh out loud moments while I'm reading it. It's 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 really good quality. I love the artwork.
0: What's the history of of her?
1: So, yeah, like I read the name, first of all, and I just thought this must be Gwen Stacy. You know, I just thought that straight away. Um, but she's basically a character from or a person from our universe who's a huge Marvel fan who gets sucked into the Marvel universe. And so she's in there having no superpowers, but she knows everybody's secret identity and she knows no, all their cool. backstories and stuff, you know, so she's trying not to give that away. But at the same time, she's just a lunatic. She's no powers, but she's fucking blowing people's heads off and robbing banks and just. But yeah, she's she's a she's a great character. The the side characters are really good. Um, yeah, it's 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 quality. I recommend it if you're looking for something to read. Um, if you're into comics and you haven't read that one, I'm sure if you're listening to this and you do read comics, you're thinking, "Phil, that's years old." But if you haven't heard of it or read it, I would I would recommend it.
0: And it's a monthly subscription, that is it.
1: Yeah, it's a ten a month, which you know, which is grand for hundreds of thousands of comics. I mean, ten a month is fine. the The, the platform itself is poor. I mean, the quality of you, sometimes you have to get rid of the cache, you know, your memory cache before a comic before you can read a comic because it's not there. You can download stuff supposedly to read offline, but I brought it on the plane with me and couldn't access them. So I looked it up after and I saw loads of posts on Reddit from people saying, "Yeah." it tells you you can listen to them and it da- lets you download them, but you can't actually, sorry, watch them or read them. You can't actually read them offline despite it, you know, letting you download, which is really annoying. What's the point of letting me download it if I can't fucking read it?
0: And is it digitized prints?
1: Yeah, yeah, it's all digitized, uh, which is great as well. If you're, if you're hard of, uh, if you have don't have great sight, you can kind of double click and it just brings you in. Panel, panel by panel, which is great. You know, if you don't look at the big page, you can just double click and it'll bring you bring that sort of the small little panel gets the full screen. So great for people who maybe are visually impaired and stuff, which is great. Um, I wish I just wish the actual app uh, itself was better, but uh, that's me. What about yourself? What have you been getting into? Uh,
0: well, I finally uh, rolled credits on Starfield last week, clocking in uh, just under yeah ninety five hours. But it's very interesting, actually, I didn't talk to you about this, the 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 new game plus generating games I would never, you know, you finish a game, I, I wouldn't be into playing it again, you know, keeping all your your stats and weapons or what have you. But this kind of ends in a way where, and I'm not giving any spoilers or anything, but there's a, a big incentive to start it again because certain things change and there's different dialogue options and stuff like that. So I played an hour of that and instantly could feel myself being sucked in again. So I'm just going to. Yeah, so shelved that, uh, uninstalled it just to be safe, and I will uh, maybe, <laughs> m- maybe take it up again in the new year, you know, as we were saying, when there's uh, maybe some mods and updates to the game. So yeah, I started a lovely new indie game that you mentioned last week, actually, Cocoon. It's just a wonderful little game from Jeff Carlson, the guy who did uh, Limbo and Insight. And this game is borderline um, psychedelic to be honest story-wise i couldn't tell you uh what the fuck is going on like just have no idea you just emerge from a cocoon you're kind of a human bug kind of character with kind of wings that you don't do anything with the wings ever but it's just just a super trippy game it's so simplistic like you control them with just a thumbstick and a single button and that setup is kind of the same as the previous games but this one is it's more of a kind of 3D. It's not a side scroller like Limbo or Inside. It's a kind of a 3D isometric platformer uh, puzzle game. Yeah, it's just it's just a moment to moment gameplay. Like you're making your way from section to section, trying to you know solve whatever it puts in your way. But then you there's a moment where you acquire. The, I think the the idea is like I'm I'm about three hours into it now. I think the runtime or the completion time is about five hours, but. The first time you encounter one, these are orbs that are pivotal to the, to the game, and you, you basically just get to a platform, you hit A, and then the camera just zooms out of the world you're in, and you kind of zoom out with it, and then, you're just standing there with this little glowing orb, and you just realize that the whole level and world you were just playing in is was in that orb, and now you just take up that orb, and walk somewhere else, and then you find other ones and dive into their universe. So it's kind of universe within universe, universe.
1: Oh, like a, oh, I love that. That like it reminds me of fucking Rick and Morty with the the microverse battery and then yeah, the microverse, yeah, exactly. the miniverse, the teenyverse, the universe inside the universe. It's awesome.
0: Yeah, and it's just visually, it's just it's astounding. It's so trippy. The gameplay is it's like so fluid. Um, I, like the narrative is kind of it just lets you try and decipher for yourself what's going on. Like, there's no dialogue. There's no tutorials. Um there's no combat it's just puzzles and it's yeah it's three hours it's just fantastic so far but The brilliance of it i think is that it, it's teaching you its, ru- its rules you know without tutorials where it just kind of lets you just roam and like i was stuck on the first part for about 10 minutes it's like how the fuck do i get out of this and it's like you just have a you know light bulb moment where you're like ah, oh, i can do this and pull that and away you go but it's uh it's fantastic yeah like uh I was surprised it was only five hours, but, you know, it's on Game Pass for anyone who has Xbox, um, so it's free, or I think it's like 20 euros or 25 euros, which you might think for five hours is is, um, a bit excessive, but no, I think it's well worth it. It's uh, such a trip, such a trip and a half. Have you played it? You haven't played it?
1: No, I haven't played it. But what really stood out to me there when you were talking is that the lack of hand-holding. You know, we had a conversation recently about uh, games which give you too much info. And I had mentioned uh, Horizon, you know, Horizon, particularly the latest one. Um, for, what's it? The Forbidden West. It um, really stood out as one where you're just constantly being told what you need to do. You walk into an area where you know there's going to be a puzzle. And I-, I love that. I like getting in there and figuring it out. But you walk in, and then your character voiceover says, oh, I wonder if I pushed that box over there and jumped onto that ledge. Could I get up there to get that key to open that door that I see over there? It's like, I don't tell me all that. I want to figure it out for myself. I just I don't want to hint after a couple of seconds, you know, just let me get in, figure it out. Because where is the where is the joy and the yes, I got it. If I've after being told by you how to do half of it or how even to get started, I want to get in. Figure it out. It's like beating a big boss, you know. When you finally get it, you're like, "Yes, I did that." But if you've given me a hand up or basically told me half of how to do it, well, then it takes away a lot of the the feeling of accomplishment when you actually do it. So that's why that that sounds really appealing to me now, Cuckoo. And I think I might, I have Game Pass, obviously, so maybe mm-hmm. I might get stuck into that. This yeah, because
0: there are moments where you just you're just standing around. There's no, there's nothing. There's no even, uh, yeah, there's no prompts. There's nothing. You're just trying to figure out what the fuck is going on, and then marveling at the background and the visuals is just yeah it's it's really good um but yeah what i've been watching um i finished uh still the michael j fox documentary last night i started it you know a few weeks ago and it's uh, oh it's fantastic it's really great look into um the world of parkinson's through his specific eyes you know what is kind of his humor and his 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 very kind of i'm not a victim viewpoint on the whole thing like he, um he recounts key moments from his life and paints a very kind of happy picture while also like delving into the, the darker moments, you know, that the illness has had on things that have been thrown in his path, you know, but it's a, uh, because i seen, you know, maybe interviews with him on talk shows and stuff like that, but to really just hear him tell it how it is, you know, with a uh, not painting a pretty picture for TV or, you know, uh, some melodramatic moments, but he really just gets right into it. And is his kind of sheer optimism and humor and determination. And that's uh, yeah, really beautiful to see. He's, he's excellent. And there's one scene that I, I think some of it might be in the trailer, but uh, one scene that just um, that, uh, sums it up perfectly where he's, he is leaving his apartment and he's he's kind of stumbling, like he's yeah. quite like he's got a handler with him and he's, he can't really walk too well, but he's greeting a fan of fan goes, Hey, how are you? And he goes to say hello and he just falls flat over in his fucking ass, like a pretty embarrassing moment. But he, he's then surrounded by a few concerned people, I think it's in New York. And he deals with it perfectly just by with no shame or embarrassment or anything. He's just lying on the ground. And he's just like, It was really lovely to meet you. You've literally knocked me off my feet. You know, and it's just like, ah, that's just wonderful. That's great. And for the kind of the geek version or the the geek uh in me just love the like the stories about back to the future and some of his co-stars and stuff yeah it's just a really really uh
1: really good watch good watch i would recommend it highly i haven't yeah i haven't even started that but yeah i'll definitely try that
0: super duper so moving then on to our movie review of the week uh phil would you like to tell us what we're going to be chatting about
1: yeah so this week we are going to be looking at the movie uh gran turismo it just came out a few months ago and before we get into ruining ruining the movie for you if you want to skip ahead if you look in the description of the episode uh, below whether you're on Spotify or iTunes we'll have the the time in there of when the next segment starts so this is where we're going to get into actually starting to talk about the movie itself the movie takes a lot of liberties you know with with the actual story about how (laughs) it worked but it's it is rough to the true story um that Nissan ran a competition whereby drivers around the world drivers on Gran Turismo as in the video game they allowed them to enter a competition with the top drivers from around the world getting entered into this like GT camp this Gran Turismo camp where they the best one out of those would then go on to actually get be a real driver go on to team Nissan and actually drive for them in 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 different races and so this is the story of one of those guys now where the the liberties kind of start though from almost the very start of the movie if you don't mind if we just get straight into it they talk about the movie is set up that this guy comes up with the idea he pitches it and this is the first guy that does it but in reality this was actually the third person they'd already done three they'd already done two of these competitions before i think the original winner was a south american guy and so this wasn't even the first time so they really took liberties there by acting like this was the first time it happened you know (laughs) And it wasn't like, I think Orlando Bloom, if you see in the trailers, was this guy who the kind of pitched it as this kind of guy who works for marketing. But actually, it was a guy from the Nissan race team, I believe, was the guy who actually came up with the idea of doing it. But that's the kind of premise of it. I don't know about you, Daz, I mean, we didn't watch it together, so I'm, I'm not sure what your overall view of it, you know, was. But for me, going into it, I wasn't really expecting a whole lot because it's based on any, anything that's roughly based on a video game. Straight away, I kind of go in with low expectations because we've been let, down, we've been so, let, yeah, so we've been down. let down so many times. I mean, yes, The Last of Us is an outstanding TV show, but for the most part, we get screwed over the, tran- the the translation from game to screen, be it small screen or big screen, a lot of times is pretty poor. But <laughs> that's being very yeah, nice. I know. I'm trying to be nice, but um. <laughs> You know, I, I think that we this is the second week in a row we've actually mentioned Neil, Neil Blomkamp, and I think even having his because we last week we mentioned Elysium and District Nine, and I even seen his name attached to it. I was worried because the last movie he brought out was a horror movie called I think it's called Demonic, and it was I saw
0: that on IMDb, yeah,
1: it was, bad uh, yeah, it was shite. Oh really? You know, yeah, and so and that so that got me a bit worried, you know, when I saw his name on it because he had been linked to some stuff after he had done District 9 and Elysium which got me fairly excited i mean you mentioned it yourself uh, to me the other day the, the aliens movie he was going to make you know and i think that, that at the time seeing what he had done i thought well, this is going to be fucking good like i know Elysium didn't do fantastically well but i really enjoyed it i loved the, the vision that he had and he created how incredible the robots and stuff were rendered in it and um, i loved the cast i thought yeah this this could be good, but then you know when he he kind of went off the off the rails a little bit. So I wasn't really I wasn't too pushed going into this, and yeah, my overall view just to kick off was that yeah, you know, it, it was fine. It's just you know if, if we can if we want to if we want to go straight into it, so I guess yeah, like it starts off. I'm not sure about you, but when it starts with Orlando Bloom, I had an immediate dislike for his character, the character that they made. You know, I I think the guy who it's based on if you watch this movie he's probably pissed off
0: yeah he just comes across straight away you're just going that guy's a fucking asshole and i'm not really sure about this movie now and it's it's three minutes in you know it's just i don't i don't know i i even got to the point with this where i'm not sure even if orlando bloom is good in it or bad in it but the minute i see him i just go that he just that's legolas with (laughs) dark hair who has been transported time travel to the present day. And he is pretending to be an actor in a movie. And it just, that's all I could see. He just, I, yeah, I just did not, uh, did not like him or any of his scenes in it. So straight away. Yeah. Like, like yourself, I was off to, um, a slow start.
1: Yeah. And I think I, the thing is they they, yes, I had the immediate dislike. He comes across as this kind of a slimy, smarmy dude. You know, and there's one point where he doesn't really want our, our main character. He kind of wants a different guy because he's more marketable. You know, to be the driver that goes through. Mm. But then later on, you see him being quite good. Like he he he's giving them pats in the back and cheering them on and, and being behind them. But then other times again, he's kind of like, should we get rid of this guy, or pull him out? I'm like, which is he? Are you gonna do? You want him to be likable or not likable or what are you trying to do with it with this character? I just wasn't really sure. Um, what the idea there was behind making him. This marketing guy who's pushed it rather than just sticking with the original guy who came up with the idea, who I believe actually worked for Nissan and thought this would be a good idea. He wasn't for the marketing department, he was actually wanting to get people into the racing department.
0: It'd be interesting to know if they actually used his
1: exact name. They didn't, they name. didn't, they changed his name. Annoying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but I think if anybody was to read up on the movie, they'd know it was based on him. And I'm sure. He's saying to his mates down in the pub, you know, was that based on you? No, no, that's not me. That's, that's, that's somebody else. You know that.
0: <laughs> yeah. Cause, cause, yeah. cause he didn't seem to have, like, as you said, he didn't, he, that character didn't seem to have an arc and it thought of it. It's going to be a very simplistic thing. Oh, he's a slimy marketing guy. And then he, you know, he wants somebody else. And then he realizes the true potential of this guy in the air of his ways, but he seems to just flip a switch from scene to scene. Just like I'm the, I'm against you. Oh no, pat on the back. Happy, happy. And then back to
1: kind of slimy again yeah just the whole part after that then is basically we meet our guy our, our our guy character's name is jan and we meet his family and where he lives and it's basically you know he's this guy who's love all he does is all he does is play grand turismo he loves it he's got his own you know rig in his house with his steering wheel all that kind of stuff and he's like and his family don't understand it you know his brother plays football for i think i think it's cardiff he's playing for cardiff youth uh, his dad used to play football, and his dad's a hard-working man and doesn't see what he sees in this. His mother is a fucking bona fide Spice Girl. Jerry Halliwell is in this movie, an actual Spice Girl. What is that about? Um, but yeah, so his his mother's a Spice Girl. <laughs> yeah. But to be honest... Why?
0: Like, she's perfectly serviceable.
1: Yeah, she did she's fine. Cool. I don't think they didn't give her a whole lot. But it's still, why is she in it? You know, it's just... Maybe she, she knows Neil Blomkamp or something, but she was fine they didn't give her too many scenes she had one properly emotional scene you know we're going to get into that later on which i thought she did quite well but i think i think that maybe they purposely kept her back you know to that she's but she was fine she was grand but if you know, anybody could have played that part i don't see why why it was a spice girl um i'm not, actually i should probably just stop calling her a spice girl why why it needs to be jerry halliwell you know i'm sure there was you know they could have put in an actress that would have maybe. Given added more to the role or made something more out of the role, because really what they looked at was the relationship between him and his dad. There wasn't so much about the the mum in there, you know. It
0: reminded me of uh, uh, Harry Styles and Dunkirk or something like that, where it's just kind of such a minor role, but it's a, it's a very searing war drama, and it's then you're just looking at it going, oh fuck, there's it, Harry Styles, and then you're kind of back to the movie, and it's like he's perfectly fine, but it's very noticeable that that's a famous person in this movie which suspension of disbelief is slightly skewed that you know
1: oh it's like when they put fucking like okay this is a worse but this is a worse example but when they put ed sheeran in game of thrones Thrones. not only did they put ed sheeran in game of thrones they had him sing Sing a fucking fucking song song. like if we're supposed to believe that this is a character you've just brought in we're supposed to not know she's a spice girl not know you know fucking harry styles is whatever not know that Whatever your fucking man's name was at the end of Eternals, you're not supposed yeah. to know. Maybe that was Harry Styles as well, was not it? Anyway, you you're not what? supposed to know who. The, yeah, you're not supposed to know who these people are, but we already know them from being singers. So don't bring him in and have him fucking sing a song as well. Like Jesus, God. Yeah, anyway, the less said about yeah, the less said about the last few episodes or seasons of that. But anyway, to we we start learning about this guy and his you know his his upbringing and getting you're, you're kind of getting a view of what his life is like. Um, straight away I had a dislike for his his mate his his mate was this guy who was like putting exposition onto everything he was doing yeah. like he had to go and do this race to qualify and so his mate standing over him he's basically saying out loud well, I can already fucking see on the screen like he's like oh yeah okay watch it man you're in 17th Looks like so and so is ahead. of you. Like, I can see that. It's on the fucking yeah, yeah. screen. I'm looking at it. It says 17th above his fucking head.
0: You need to come first if you if you, you need to come first to win the race. <laughs> yeah, you need you need just need to
1: catch him. Oh, there he is. I can see him ahead. of you. Like, we can all fucking <laughs> see him. He's on the screen. I just I swear to God, it was like if I could get through that screen, <laughs> I would ring your goddamn neck. Um, but yeah, <laughs> so yeah, he bothered bought He bothered a shit out of me. But yeah, like it it was. They go on. Then he gets into the program. And goes on. He meets the other drivers, you know, and of course one of them's a dick. And oh, yeah, most yeah. of these things, when it's when the main good guy is an English guy, the the dick is American, and of course he is American. in this it was just a bit, ugh, you know, that's just a trope, you know. But anyway, he man to his memory, meets the yeah. group, and they're um, yeah, yeah, and they're all they're all learning to drive, and they're all getting. But there he's put, you know, does he get introduced to David Harbor? David Harbor was this. He was a racer and had done really well but then had an accident and now he's a mechanic and has been for the last 15 years and he's the last on the list of the guys that orlando bloom wants to bring in but everybody else has said no to him so he has to bring him in to train these kids and reluctantly he ends up going in and uh, and and uh, agreeing to train them but what's weird is that he's putting them through the paces right and he has them because you have to learn to Have discipline with your body and stuff. So he's getting them to run up and down steps and train themselves and all these different ways to get reactions better. And as they're going through, he's kicking people out because they can only have the top five to go through to the next round. But he's kicking them out for all these different things. And one guy is just a skinny dude. He's just wrecked from running up and down the stairs. And he goes, right, you know, let's call him Joe. He's like Joe. You're, he goes, Joe, you're out. But then our main guy he fucking crashes the car. He crashes the car and spins off rest fat. <laughs> and they're like, I'm like, yeah, like, we'll, we'll hang on to you. you go through. The, hang, hang on for a bit. Potential you know, it turns so. out he crashed the car because there was something wrong with the brakes and they let him on. But they were going to keep him on anyway. He was still in there. I was like, hang on, that guy got kicked out for being knackered running up a set of stairs. He crashed a car worth fucking 200 grand or something. Why is he still in? <laughs> anyway, that just bothered me. It was just uh-huh. a weird fucking, you know, it was just a weird plot point, you know, and I get it. They were like, oh, it turns out he knew the brakes were out because he's played the game so much. And, you know, and it's like, yeah, okay, if that's fine, but just don't have the part where you're letting them stay in. Maybe go, yeah, you're out. You're kicked out because you crashed the car. And then you find out, oh, it turns out he was right. There was something wrong with the brakes and you bring him back in again. I yeah, exactly. guess his a redemption. That would make way more sense, you know? But yeah, he goes on and he, he ends up being, he ends up being the best out of the bunch. Uh, as I said earlier, Orlando Bloom wants the American guy to go through because he's more marketable, but, Our guy, um, I suppose I never mentioned, he's from Wales. He's an English bloke, a British bloke. He is the guy who actually won the race. So he goes through and then he has to do a load of qualifying races in different parts around the world. So he's doing them in Dubai and whatever else. And what I found was this is where, for me, the movie actually kind of got a lot better. You know, I think there was a lot of cheese earlier on in the movie, but I think it got a lot better when he went on. You got to see these fucking badass cars. The Some of the camera shots are incredible. Like some of the overheads and the thing like he, whatever Blomkamp's view or view for this, I think was really spot on. And um, Some of the shots were excellent in some of the races. And, you know, he's doing shit in some, he's doing better in others. But then there was one part where and where there was the accident. So he's going and whatever way the wind catches you underneath of the car, when he's going over, the car flips, it goes off the road. And he ends up killing a spectator. And that's actually true. Your man who drove the car went off and someone actually tragically did um did lose their life. And they just knew it would be disrespectful to leave that out and act like that didn't happen. If you're gonna tell this story, even though yes, it's embellished massively this you know the, the story of this guy. It it's it's good that they left that in and you know and paid respect to the fact that someone actually did lose their life. Yes, it was a freak accident. And it almost stopped this guy from driving, but he ends up going back and the rest of it is yeah it's how you'd imagine it would go he goes on get does well in the next few races ends up going and the main race then is the 24-hour Le Mans uh, race and I'll just cut straight to it he fucking wins it but and no way it, it's you know <laughs> well, he doesn't win it but he comes in fourth and that's enough to win him you know to get him to because they did they he was being doubted they wanted to drop him because of the accident the other drivers and other uh, race teams were saying you know get this bloke out blah, blah, blah. he's not a real racer they call them sim racers you know because you're playing in grand theft you're gran turismo so we had to kind of just prove himself by placing on the podium and he ends up doing that and and a fun little fact they kind of show towards the end is that the the guy the actual guy who had won it um, the real uh, real life actor he actually played the stunt driver in this movie for your man for our main character which was kind of cool They kind of do at the end credits they show him you know yeah that was a cool point. You know, I just think that overall, I wasn't overly impressed. I mean, with the with the the main actor, I didn't... I thought there was... When he got hurt after the accident, when he's trying to kick them out of the hospital room, he has the outburst and tells them to get out of the hospital room. I thought, wow, that's a good bit of emotion. That was, that was really good. But for the most part, I wasn't really sold on him. I don't know him from anything else. I mean, maybe you feel differently, but...
0: No, I think, yeah, that scene uh, especially... Um was great I, th- I thought like there was there was really nice scenes between himself and and harbour but i think david harbour being such the um heavyweight actor that he is like he was he was providing most of the gravitas in those scenes but they were kind of nice scenes between them There's probably like the like the crash sequence alone like you were touching on the the camera work i mean the movie's decent and it's nice performances and stuff like that but like it there are moments where there's kind of filmmaking and, and some like editing prowess on show. And that is some of the race sequences are just, as you're saying, phenomenal, but just not like MTV style editing. It's, it's not too crazy. It's just very, there's really lovely sweeping shots around cars and it's just, yeah, it looked absolutely fantastic. But then that, that crash sequence, definitely like I would have loved to seen that in the sit of, yeah, to have seen that on a big screen to, um, just yeah it was very very well shot the audio the, the sound design was spectacular on that um and what followed like that and then the following few scenes after that where he has that emotional outburst and it's even surrounding the crash like we we're saying Jerry Halliwell's kind of scene his parents you know watching the crash it was just it was definitely that was that was the most powerful and probably the highlight of the movie which just kind of went oh wow that's this is a sequence this is about 10 minutes from a far better movie that's that's in here um yeah and that's yeah he 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 was okay but like the start there is that it's just the way the movie starts and it sets the tone with you and it gives you a taste of you're just kind of like ah yeah meh like you're all right your friend's annoying like you orlando blooms in this movie uh (laughs) it's very hard and there's so much product placement in this fucking movie as well jesus christ
1: Oh, it might as well just come up on the screen and say, "Buy our game, buy our game, buy a Ni- buy a fucking Nissan, buy a Nissan." <laughs> yeah. Times so I'm gonna see the word Nissan in my sleep. It's every fucking word. I get it. It's Team Nissan, but it, they show the car. You know, every time it was a, they weren't showing the whole car. The car is spinning past you, and they're just showing, say, the back wheel. It was making sure the Nissan logo is making sure it's right there, so you Absolutely. can see it. It's just there was there was so yeah, there was so much of it th- throughout it, and I get it. It's pretty much an advertisement for a game. By Gran Turismo, by Gran Turismo, but it was it was so heavy on it that it it started to piss me off. But it, it, the thing about it is, is that as both of us had mentioned to each other um, before we started the episode, is that the, the, the movie feels way too long. They've gone for this arc where they've said, "Okay, I, I want to do this thing, but it's not what society or my family want. My dad isn't happy with me, but I go and do it anyway." I end up faltering, ultimately doing really well. Dad shows up to the last race and says, I'm proud of you, son. I mean, it's so fucking unbelievably tropey it's used. And if if that's the movie you want to make, if that's the message you want to give, that go and do your own thing and eventually whatever, blah, 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 you can do that in 90 minutes. You do not need two hours and 15 minutes to tell even the story of this movie. You you can cut out all the the qualifying races and just do it as a kind of, you know, a montage and show them getting there. You don't have to have so much of the the Le Mans race. You can cut out pieces and make a 90-minute movie. If you want to make this a redemption story for this kid, you do not need two hours and 15 minutes. And if you're trying to make a different movie, then make the different movie. But I think they went really hard on this. Redemption story in him and his dad, and his dad ultimately being proud of him after. At the start, telling him, you know, this is a waste. What are you doing, playing video games, and so on and so forth. There was no need for this movie to be two hours and fifteen minutes if that's the story you're trying to tell. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And I,
0: I mean, cap as you're saying, being attached to it straight away, straight away when we saw the trailers and or just knew what was happening after his whole coming out and saying i'm doing an alien movie and then ridley scott goes no you're fucking not i'm making alien Covenant," you know and just having just announcing project after project his halo shit that's been going on for like 10 15 years that he's been trying to get all these things made and then when this comes out it like baffled me initially but then you're thinking this what i'm hoping is that this is him doing one for them so he can get one for him do one for the studio so i can I can do my next, you know, District 9 follow-up or some kind of new, new sci-fi, new IP, something. Because I guess with him attached, like when he was attached, yeah, it's bewildering at times. But when you see it, like the movie is, he made it a better movie than it should have been. Like if he if he wasn't Agreed. involved, Agreed. Yeah. this is, you know, uh, yeah, it wouldn't even be, be fucking three stars. You'd be going, this is two-star schlock. You know what I mean? But he does add enough to it whereas you're saying if it was 90 minutes those kind of peaks and troughs wouldn't be so um elongated you know where you're kind of going oh here's the the qualifying or this the, and it's just 20 minutes of incessant just the same kind of a uh, the same high and the same plot point just been drilled into over and over again and then there's 10 minutes of a lull and then it does it again and it's yeah it's just Knock 25, 30 minutes off this and it would be yeah, an okay watch, you
1: know? Yeah. It would be an it would be an enjoyable throw it on, you know, and and yeah, it would be satisfying, I think, at that amount of time you've got you, like you said, it will have a comfortable arc where you're seeing them. Things aren't going well for him, gets his chance and takes it, has a bit of a dip, things all go well. It's fucking Days of Thunder. You know, it's that's what's happening. Mean, Days of Thunder, Tom Cruise is doing really well, things go bad for him. Meets Nicole Kidman, all of a sudden he's fucking great again and everybody loves him and he wins. That's, that's, that's the arc you can go for. You don't need two hours and 15 minutes. And I think that, as I said, it was an hour in when he had kind of just, it took him to get through to the point of winning the competition. Like we're full hour in there. And I thought, okay, we're going to get on to him going on doing a race. And I just, that's where I thought, I thought we're heading towards the final act. And when I just checked the time on it, only an hour had gone and it said an hour and 15 minutes left. What the fuck are they going to do for an hour and fifteen minutes? Because I feel you've told so much of this, you know, story already, and it just, yeah, that's where it kind of, uh, and and when you said if it just now about if Blomkamp, you know, wasn't in it, if it was somebody else directing, I would say the same thing about Harbor. If someone else was playing that role, I don't know if the, I don't know if it would even held my attention as much as it did, because he brings so much every role he's the best part about he's the best part of most movies that are shit like if you look at he was that recent hellboy that movie sucked ass but he was you know he was quality in it the i saw a recent was a deadly night or whatever it was called a christmas kind of action movie you know over the top action movie last year and again the movie just didn't have enough jokes in it but didn't really hit home but again it was him that made it and i think yeah i think this movie would really suffer with a different actor playing that role.
0: Like we always uh, would chat about it, and it's it's a, it's kind of a known thing, almost the 27%ers, you know, actors that when they're in a movie make it 27% better. It's like Philip Seymour Hoffman, William H. Macy, John Hamm, these kind of guys, that when, when they're in it, already there's, you know, there's a star on the movie kind of going, like a, a review star, kind of going, okay, he's in it, I'll, I'll watch that. Because he'll probably be, even if it's pretty shit, they'll probably be be the best thing in it and worth a watch. And uh, David Harbour, yeah, he's just great. That he just has that kind of tough but gentle father figure down to a fucking T. Like you just want to hug him. It's like, yeah, man.
1: Yeah, he's 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 he really he was he was my probably my favorite part of the movie. Apart from all the fucking badass cars and stuff, are great. I I like I do, there's obviously doesn't need to be a sequel, so there's not going to be. I wouldn't think, but just to even touch on what it made like surprisingly. The movie was made for sixty million. Oh wow! Uh, I, I would, yeah, I would have thought it would have been a lot more, just because of the fact that of getting, you know, rights and stuff like that, that it would have been way more. Um, but yeah, it was sixty million, and worldwide, this is dollars now. Worldwide, it made one hundred and seventeen. So it, it made enough to cover the costs, cover the advertising, and everything to it. So it pretty, they usually say you'd want to be doubling what it, you know, yeah, to break. So pretty much broke even. We'll see when it comes on how well it does when it comes on to streaming services, which is fairly soon. I think it may be in the States, it might already be on Amazon Prime. But when it gets on over here in in, in, in Europe, we'll see how it does how it does. Will people watch it? Will people be will people be ready to commit two hours and fifteen minutes to a movie like this? I don't know. It's it's fine. I, I you know, if we were giving stars, I'd probably be happy, similar to last week, to give it a three. Because there's enough in it to kind of like, but at the same time, it is a slog at times. I'm, I'm actually I'd probably if we were doing half stars, it probably would go two yeah, and a half. Two and a half. Is, I think. Let's start yeah, a half star. I think. Yeah, I think it. It yeah, it is. It's it's too much of a slog to get through to to kind of, to really to really recommend it. I don't know where the scores are coming from. Like IMDb, it's got seven point three out of ten, which is really really high. For a movie like this, and on a and a, and a Rotten Tomatoes, it's got sixty five percent. Now, for anybody who doesn't know how Rotten Tomatoes works, if you see something that has a percentage, that basically means that sixty five percent of people that reviewed this movie gave it like a, a five point six or better. That's all it means, you know, or a six or better or something like that. It doesn't mean, you know, sixty five, whatever that is, is, that a C. You know, it doesn't mean that that it's basically that they gave it a positive review we're gay you know we're just about giving this a positive review which means we would count in that 65 percent if we were you know reviewers but for me i don't i don't think i'd recommend it really you'd have to really be into into the cars really be into you know really be into racing to kind of want to get into watch it because there's not enough in it to make you think oh i remember this for the game yeah absolutely. you know there isn't there isn't you know there's not really any of that the there were some cool songs in the soundtrack, though. There was some um, avalanches, some Bonnie Vere, some Black Sabbath, and they end with a uh, Brian
0: Eno an ending. That fucking song, yeah, it's... yeah, yeah. Uh, that well, I think that, I don't was it was it, was it 10 times better,
1: but was it him or was it the Moby version? I wasn't sure because Moby uses that same sample in one of his tunes. I wasn't sure if it was that, but yeah, it's an awesome tune. Oh, it's brilliant yeah. Yeah, uh, I, I, I was I was kinda hoping because it they didn't they didn't really use songs just from the time, like the Avalanche song they used. I know that album really well, Wildflower, that's from twenty sixteen. So if the movie if it's I don't know if they're trying to base it in twenty eleven. I don't know if they give an exact year and when the movie's based. Are they basing it on twenty eleven or now? I think they are basing it on two thousand eleven based on the like, uh, phone that he the, has. The, yeah, and, the Retro Walkman, right? Well he's well he's using an actual Walkman for the eighties, but I mean the the, the thing he goes and buys them an mp3 player and like nobody is buying those mp3 <laughs> players if it's based anywhere near today so
0: with the sony branding on, on the present he gives him just like yeah come on
1: yeah exactly so i, th- I think maybe that might have been 2011 that it's set so in which case why have you got a song from 2016 i prefer keep it in touch with what was out What I would have loved to hear is the song that reminds me of Gran Turismo, which is that feeder song, you know. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. It was in, it was in. I think it was Gran Turismo two, and it's just you just see the car like a leaf on the ground or something, and the car rips by, and the leaf goes up in the air, and that song kicks in, and it's like, oh yeah, that that always reminds me of that game, is that song.
0: There's a parallel universe where this movie opens with that song, and it's a fucking four star movie,
1: and it's ninety minutes long,
0: (laughs) and David Harbour plays every fucking role yeah
1: <laughs> yes give me that movie <laughs> um I, I i think yeah i think that that's that's i don't i don't know where you landed it for me i'm saying i don't recommend it and i would happy with the two and a half star rating what about you
0: yeah yeah no i think it's nailing the head i think we're we're in the same ballpark in terms of what we think about this uh yeah i thought it was decent some good moments some nice performances harbour is excellent the main guys okay Visual effects were brilliant. Um yeah, the racing scenes were good, but just I just didn't really care a lot of the time. You know, I, I cared at moments, which just you know, at moments they were just like, oh, that's a nice moment, and then back to kind of just average, yeah. Just I'm saying with you, I'm gonna two and a half stars, I think. I like the three I think is a bit too much, and two is a little bit a little bit, you know, it's yeah, it's there thereabouts. But um, so yeah, that's our movie review of Gran Turismo. I think it's out at streaming 23rd of this month, if you want to give it a look. Yeah, just to just to watch David Harbour. And if you're into cars, yeah, it's brilliant. And speaking of cars, this is our um retro corner section, where I know last week we did Conker's Bad Fur Day, and this week we're going to do a game as well. But myself and Phil were... Talking about this section, and instead of having a, re- a retro gaming section, we're going to just call it the retro corner. So, it could be depending on if some like if a movie is ticking a particular milestone or anniversary, we might revisit um a retro movie, like an old movie or an old piece of tech or something. Whatever kind of tickles our fancy in, in any given week. um So, on the racing team theme today, the game I'm picking is Burnout, which was released in 2001 on playstation 2 gamecube and the original xbox it was developed by criterion games and it kind of exploded onto the scene um and for me became kind of the definitive definitive arcade racer for at least five years um racing games i think up until then had been you know whether you're into sim racing games or arcade racing games they generally took place in you know empty tracks with opponents six or eight opponents and you know Bend at the believability of racing physics and all that. But Burnout then kind of changed all of that on many fronts. I mean, first of all, the racing now took place on public roads with traffic. So immediately you're taken aback the minute you on your first race. And racing around at speed through traffic is is quite mind-blowing the first time you do it. It's kind of shit in your pants kind of territory. And I think then adding to that, the game was notoriously unforgiving. Uh, unforgiving. I don't know if you remember the first one, where normal racing games you know even if there's other opponents on the track and you're kind of bumping into them or some games on pc had like little like maybe small bits of traffic or whatever in your same lane and if you bumped off them you know nothing is going to happen to you but in burnout if you just clipped the fucking wing mirror of a car you're sent in the, into this kind of a slow motion action crash replay where your car just gets deformed and just smashed it to pieces the only thing missing is Drivers flying through the windscreen—you know—it was pretty, uh, pretty surreal, and um, that was pretty spectacular. And I think genre-defining f- at the time. But um, for me, then the the good just got better because the racing it kind of took on a strategic element because you could take the decision to race on the wrong side of the road into oncoming traffic, and the game would fucking reward you for doing this by filling your nitro boost meter quicker than you nor- would normally. And this was the infamous burnout meter. This meter was filled by, you know, drifting around corners or uh, close calls. So you're just rewarded by getting as close as humanly possible to people on your side of the road. Or if you're on the other side of the road, you're basically trying to just play chicken with oncoming traffic and getting reaping the benefits of it. Um, this game, yeah, it added a strategic element to it. But it also, had one of the most, for me, exhilarating tracks I think I've ever witnessed It was, this was the first game. It was called Rush Hour and the majority of the track was spent racing at speeds in excess of 200 kilometers an hour the wrong way down a five-lane fucking motorway. And I swear to Christ, if you remember, I felt like getting through three laps of that without crashing was like some kind of Jedi fucking mind shit. It was just, it was mind-blowing. And it was just, yeah, fantastic. And the game spawned a very quick sequel. It was actually like a year later in 2002, Burnout 2 came out, which was fantastic. And then 2004, burnout 3 came out which was possibly one of the best racing games ever created in my opinion and the series final entry then was burnout paradise in 2008 so the the whole burnout franchise kind of spawned seven years it just seems like it's been around forever and there's kind of been nothing since but i know you have a fondness for burnout 2 specifically
1: yeah yeah i think when you as you touched on in the first one like you've got the close calls and all that kind of stuff when you touched on the slow motion crashes that was a really cool part of it you know you'd Your car would flip and like that. You just see it. Fucking doors are getting ripped off, and and you know the the other cars you're hitting on the road. And it was just this realistic engine that they'd created to show this thing happening. And so, what I loved about what Acclaim did was, you know, Acclaim made the first two games. They said, "Well, oh, you enjoyed that, did you? Well, okay, Burnout Two. We're going to make a whole crash mode. So you didn't even have to race in Burnout Two if you didn't want to. You could just. Your idea was that they'd set up a crash." mode and you could just drive through whether it was traffic or wherever it was and you to try and cause as much damage as possible and the whole idea was that it was a dollar value you know who can cause the most damage and it would be like okay you need to go over here cross down this road and once you get through hit these set of cars cause the most damage and it was high scores and so we would maybe sometimes not even race we just sit in and have goes to see who can cause the most damage and it was just carnage you know you're flipping over buses you're hitting trucks and there was just something so enjoyable about it. You know, just you're trying to clip a car the right way, trying to maybe hit the handbrake to flip and hit this car to knock you into that bus. And it would then zoom out after you crash. You'd zoom out and you'd see the pileup that it caused. So you're a crash car and all of a sudden fucking, you know, a big semi truck comes fucking filing a bunch of cars and a whole big pileup. And then you're hoping as this dollar meter is counting up who's going to have <laughs> the best one. And I just... I love that they did that. And and you mentioned Burnout 3 being an incredible game. And I think, again, that was EA. EA took over. And I straight away thought, fuck, you know, I don't like... Sometimes when another studio comes in and takes over, it doesn't capture the same spirit of the game. And I thought, fuck, is that what's going to happen here? But they brought in new modes there again. They brought in, you know, pursuit modes and stuff like that. I think it was either... It was either that takedown or it was paradise they brought in. You could be a police car chasing down. The driver yeah, yeah. who was fucking driving on the wrong side of the road. You know, they were they were constantly adding it and trying to make it as cool because Gran Turismo, like we just mentioned in the last section, the early games were very much copy and paste. Like Gran Turismo 2 was essentially Gran Turismo 1 with better graphics and better cars. They've added stuff in over the years to the likes of that. And Forza, where there's an RPG kind of element to it where you're, there's, you know yourself, you're going to different places. There's interactions with different people and all that kind of stuff they've made. The off track stuff a little bit more interesting but the early games when like when burnout came out there wasn't really any of that going on so for burnout to go no we want to add in something cool new each time let's keep it fresh I, that's what i really appreciated about burnout it was exhilarating you know to be to, milling around on the wrong side of the road going down the, the fucking white line in the middle of the road cars are the lights are flashing at you they're beeping and each time you're like okay if i just get enough here yes bam my boost meter my burnout meter is full and you're fucking tear off ahead of your the guy that you're racing against who you know for us at the time was the guy sitting beside you smoking a spliff on the couch you know so <laughs> you know, it was just yeah and it was just great and, and you, we'd listen to some fucking you know, tunes that we were listening to at the time we'd have them you just turn off the sound on burnout and we just listen to some savage tunes and all of us in the room waiting for our go to have a race against whoever else's you know winner stays on or whatever it was and. I have such fond memories of Burnout when you when you said that you were picking this for the game this week the retro game I was I was delighted because I hadn't thought about this game in a while I hadn't thought about the series in a while and I don't even play a lot of racing games and that shows you how much I love this because I don't really play it unless it's got the word cart after the in the name <laughs> somewhere I don't re- I don't really I don't really play racing games so you know, for me this game really stands out of so much love and so much great memories from the burnout series
0: yeah it's just such a shame that it's been you know 15 years since the last entry and it's just just kind of fallen off a cliff which is uh a crying shame an absolute crying shame but yeah um fantastic memories um as you say we turn off turn off the sound and listen to whatever we were listening at the time but burnout definitely had things around the time lincoln park's first album hybrid theory was generally one that we remember used to listen to it all the time when we were working in EB games together and not too much of a, a hard rock or soft rock kind of fan, but that um, album definitely just suited that absolute carnage and that kind of Zen like moments as well, where you're just like everyone's sitting around waiting for their turn, but no one be speaking. Everyone just glued to the screen, just going, holy shit, because you could be, you know, second place be behind, so I could be behind you and I'm just not catching you because you know both just going at top speed but i know hold on if i just veer into oncoming traffic and take a chance take the risk of oncoming traffic and that might give me enough boost to maybe catch you or i can just drive head first into an articulate lorry and that's the end of the game but it's those moments are just (laughs) yeah fucking mind-blowing yeah really um i've been playing i played the first and second one again on the steam deck and uh yeah, it's great revisiting again. And they, they stand the test of time pretty well. You know, frame rate does dip down to what seems like fucking 10 frames a second at times. But yeah, I don't know how we did it back then.
1: If someone wanted to play them now, is there, is there access to them? Like I mentioned last week that Rare Replay is a way to play Conquer. Is there a way besides the Steam Deck that you just mentioned? Is there, is there access to play these games?
0: Uh, you, well, if you have a PlayStation 2, you can purchase it online, but unfortunately, PlayStation, the PS Store, doesn't uh, doesn't seem to cater for back catalogs too well, and the Xbox Store um, also doesn't seem to cat to uh, catalog it
1: at the time. I I know, I know that I think Burnout Three got a re-release. I think that got re-released, and not not that long ago. Actually, you know, I say not that long ago. It's probably fucking ten years ago because anything that has a teen like a, a teen <laughs> in the teens, I'm just like. I'm convinced that was only a couple of years ago, you know, when like 2013 was fucking 10 years ago.
0: Well, Burnout Paradise got a remaster.
1: That's the one. but I'm f- Maybe that, that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah,
0: Burnout Paradise got a remaster. And that's a really good game. It's, you know, the open world kind of game, like the um, precursor to kind of Forza Horizon, that kind of stuff. It's good, but it just doesn't hold a candle to the um to the first, second and third in the series, in my opinion. And they should all be remastered and put out on every fucking platform
1: known to man. Yeah, I think I think it says it was twenty six or twenty eighteen that the remaster came out. So you know it didn't hit the Switch until twenty twenty. So if you have a Switch, you could probably you could probably play uh, Bruno Paradise. We all we all know how well games translate to the Switch. <laughs> uh, so good luck with that if you do decide to do it. But um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, 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 as as much as I'm a Nintendo fanboy, a lot of these games went when they make the Switch version or when they make support. A lot of times, Nintendo don't bother to kind of do anything with it. I don't know if you've. I assume you've seen the comparison for what the latest Mortal Kombat game looks like. On, oh, on the Switch. it's
0: shocking! It's like I thought it was a fucking meme or something. It's like there's no way that's actually. There's no shading on their eye sockets. It's just it looks like everyone's eyes are popping out of their head. Um, and it runs at four frames a second. Which, yeah, Ed Boone came out and said, I'm going to fix that. And it's like, good luck, buddy. <laughs> yeah, I, know, I don't fucked. see how
1: you're fixing that. No. Yeah. So, but look, at, at least it's there. Someone wants, to, If someone's interested who hasn't played the Burnout series and who's interested in what we've been talking about, you could even dip your toe in that way. And if you're into it, you know, we're not recommending anything illegal, but there's always ways and means to oh, yeah, play yeah. these games, you know. <laughs>
0: Nature finds a way, um, man
1: yeah <laughs> yeah so that is yeah, that is
0: a wrap up then on our uh, retro corner for this week and a wrap up on episode two. So yeah, give, give the podcast a like and review if, if you feel like it. Um, and if you have any suggestions on topics we could cover or any feedback in general, please do email us at middleage geeks at yahoo.com. Um, do you have any final notes or words, Phil?
1: No, just to echo that, you know, do feel free to reach out. We've had some great feedback so far. You know, we have the Facebook pages, there, the uh, Instagram page. You know, feel free to reach out and, and let us know if it's something you, you remember that you're nostalgic for. That you think actually, you know, be fun if you guys cover that, and we'll look at try and maybe fit it into an upcoming episode. We've already got a couple of great suggestions, and we're gonna put them in as the weeks come on. So if you have anything like that, please send them on to us. But uh, just to echo Daz. Yeah, if you wouldn't mind just giving us a, a like on, and follow us on the on Spotify or on iTunes, it it works for the metrics and the analytics that it just shows the extra people liking and enjoying the podcast. So even if you want to stick it on and throw us on mute because you don't want to listen to us <laughs> shite on, it's it's, it's it still helps.
0: helps. We're we're still very grateful.
1: <laughs> so th- thanks a so million for listening.
0: Super duper. Okay, so um, yeah, that's it from me, Daz, and from Phil. And thanks for listening. And have a super weekend.